Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 9. And to make things even more confusing, this is Part 7 of a series on what leaders actually do. One of the surprising things that has emerged out of my work and research for Season 2 is the idea that it takes more than just leadership know-how to be someone who's followable. Leadership gets all the press, probably because it's an easy concept for us to wrap our minds around. But I wonder if we shouldn't be putting a little more emphasis on our followability factor. In this episode, we're going to talk in a little bit more detail about followability and what gives a leader the credibility to lead and to have people follow. Hang around with enough old people and you'll hear them talk about, I paid my dues. As one of those old people, I have mixed feelings about that. There are clear benefits to seniority and a long record of expertise. But when I paid my dues devolves into code language for, I should no longer be, have to do the distasteful part of my job. Well, that kind of thinking makes me nervous. And if you've paid your dues, what I just said is probably annoying. And that's why this discussion about followability is so important. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Yes, the internet has made a mess of a lot of things. As Abraham Lincoln once said, that's the problem with quotes on the internet. You can't tell if they're real or not. This took a little sleuthing, but I want to tell you a story because it's funny and it's true. During the French Revolution, Alexander Auguste Ledru Roland and I'm sure that I probably butchered that name, but I try. He was seated at a bistro on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, drinking coffee, when he heard the sounds of a riot breaking out a short distance away. He's widely quoted as saying, Where are they? Which way did they go? I must find them. I am their leader. He said it in French, so translations vary slightly. But those words demonstrate a typical leadership fallacy. If you think you're leading, but no one is following, you're really just out for a walk. As Warren Bennis once put it, leaders lead. Ponder that for a while. Leaders lead. If you're leading, you will have followers. So what is it that makes a leader followable? I'm going to suggest that it begins with building competence. Part of the benefit of paying your dues is the fact that it can demonstrate deep understanding and experience. It can also demonstrate that you have walked this ground on your own. Developing competence involves fostering depth in your field. I'm not talking expertise. I'm talking about a strong contextual understanding of the things you need to know about your field. Things that we've been talking about in this What Leaders Do series. You have to demonstrate your followability through the quality of your work in all sorts of areas. You have to demonstrate that you're competent in your field, or frankly, you can expect to get unfollowed. Not in some social media site, but in the real world. People don't follow the inept. That means if you want to be a leader, you'd better shore up your aptitude. Now I have a few more things to say about competence in a few minutes, but for now, I want to talk first and foremost about what competence can do for you. First and foremost, it can strengthen your credibility. Now, allow me a word nerd moment. Credibility takes its root from the Latin word credo, 
from which we get our word creed. Credibility means that you live out the things that you believe in most deeply. It means that your work is worthy of trust. Curiously, credibility involves a combination of both competence and veracity. That's truthfulness. Thank you, Online Etymology Dictionary. You see, as leaders, we need that. Our competence cannot be shallow or just for show. It needs to have truthiness all through it. Credibility requires that we be the real deal. Now, thankfully, not everyone is the same sort of word nerd that I am. At an event several years ago, a friend introduced me with the following line. Sam is an incredible leader. I think they meant it in a good way, but something in me wanted to say, hey, I'm credible. I didn't, and that's probably for the best. Well, frankly, we have to have confidence. We need self-confidence, and we need to recognize the fact that we have something to offer. Here's another aside. This is not the same thing as arrogance. This is about recognizing both our weaknesses and our strengths and being willing to respond to circumstances out of our ability. My father-in-law was an amazing, humble man. He also had one of the most remarkable engineering minds you can imagine. If a problem came up, he'd think it through and then dig in. Every so often, he'd run into someone who would tell him that such and such a thing couldn't be done. And while they were telling him that, he was at it, doing it anyway. He used to joke that if his head ever broke open, solutions would run out everywhere. See, his proven abilities gave him confidence. Sometimes it seemed almost to the point of superpowers. His daughter, my wife, said that he must have been a cat because he had nine lives. He knew what he was capable of, and he was not afraid to step in and do it, even if it might involve personal risk. Because of that, people loved him and trusted him. Competence, credibility, and confidence. One of our responsibilities as leaders is to grow and develop ourselves in each of those areas. But wait, there's more. As one of my old mentors once put it, a person who's wrapped up in themselves makes a pretty small package. When we grow in these areas, we have to remember it's not about becoming the hero. It's about being able to read the situation and respond. But it's also about something deeper. Turn those characteristics outward. When we have competence, credibility, and confidence, we can invest those strengths into the lives of people around us. As if leadership wasn't pretty difficult on its own, when you add this piece to it, there's plenty to keep you busy for years to come. First of all, be willing to build competence into the people around you. Do the people who follow you have the competence to excel in their work? It's your job to see that they do. In the old days, this used to be called employee development. In essence, it means that uh, you're helping to nurture their depth of knowledge, understanding, and ability. How about credibility? Do the people around you carry a sense of trustworthiness with them? Do people seek their wisdom and their insights? Do people think they're better off on their own? When we're looking at credibility, it's not just do they have the necessary information, but it's also do people find them approachable and trust them enough to have those conversations. Along with that, do they have the confidence in themselves to be able to step up in difficult situations? 
Of course, there's an important flip side of confidence, and we need to talk about it. We're inundated with the idea of self-confidence in our culture, and I'm not convinced that the proof of a leader is found in his or her self-confidence. I think it's found in their other confidence. Yes, self-confidence matters to the extent that it moves us off the dime, as they say, and causes us to act. But do you as a leader have confidence in the competence of the people you lead? Can you rely on them to handle situations with credibility, with integrity, with competence and confidence, and do what needs to be done? Okay, there may be that one person. Most leaders have that one person who gets it. The person that you can delegate to and you never have to worry about it. The problem is, it's usually just one person. Your role is to foster that in others around you. That may not be easy, and followers do not respond in a single predictable way. Some people are wounded, some people are cynical, some people carry unspoken expectations, and some people have big egos, and so on. But so do some leaders. And you need to find a way to do something positive in that weird gap between someone else's dysfunction and your own. Here's the bottom line, and I'll shut up. Okay, probably not, but here's the bottom line. Leaders hate delegating because they feel like they can do it better and with less headaches all by themselves. And most of the time, they're right. But I want you to imagine a world where you can delegate tasks and projects without that nagging fear. I've started to refer to it as delegating to strength. Admittedly, not everyone will be at the same place. Not everyone can take on all the stuff that needs to be done. But if you're being alert as a leader, you will know who has which strengths, who's ready, and who will thrive. Delegate to strength. Not everything can go to that one rock-solid person. Everything has to get spread about to the ones who can handle it best. But what if they fail? Yeah, what if? You've never failed? What happened when you failed? I hope you grew from it. I hope you learned something from it. This strategy of delegating to strength is critical for cross-generational leadership. You need to be able to delegate meaningful tasks, tasks that present a genuine risk for failure, but for good failure, not destructive failure. In other words, the real risk of failure needs to be tempered by the leader keeping the chaos under control. That's how people understand the risks and the opportunities of their work. Meaningful delegation, real opportunity for failure, along with the real opportunity for success. If you're in the business of building competence in yourself and in the people around you, you'll be creating an environment of trust and achievement, getting the best out of everyone, not the same out of everyone, but their best. Leaders need this. Followers need this. You need this. So at the risk of repeating myself, I have to go back to something I said in season one. A couple of decades ago, Joe Badaracco pointed out that not all leadership comes from traditional leadership roles. I agree with him. If leadership is an influence relationship, then leadership happens everywhere. Every time you help a colleague do their job better, you're leading. It's not about power or position. It's about making your workplace and your work better. It's about helping others to grow. There's a little local shop that I frequent just a few blocks from my house. Several months back, 
Uh, they started hiring mentally challenged people to work there. I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong word for that. I'm trying to be respectful and clear. I don't want to talk around the point. It's been interesting to watch the interactions develop between some of the new folks and employees of more traditional ability. Compassion has grown. Respect has grown. Confidence has grown. And the people working there are building themselves into a team. While much of our culture might be tempted to write off some people because of a difference in ability, this company is turning into a place where everyone can contribute and where everyone can belong. This is a cool thing to watch. It's a healthy, thriving, for-profit business. And those of you who know the reference, this is Jean Vanier and the Larch community all over again. And that, my friends, is why this matters. No matter what, leaders have to learn how to build competence, credibility, and confidence. That, my friends, is what leaders do. It's been fun to watch where our listeners are from. Obviously, we've had folk from North America, but we've had listeners from Europe, Africa, and Asia, and it's good to have you with us. So do me a favor. If you're enjoying Great Ridge Station, well, let's not make this the best-kept secret. Uh, we're starting to get some traction, and I'd be grateful for your help in building our audience. I'll keep asking you to point your friends and colleagues in our direction. Give us a like, leave us a comment, mention us to your friends on social media. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.